Welcome to the Future of Application Security, a podcast for ambitious leaders who want to build a modern and effective AppSec program. Doing application security right is really hard. Now I'm going to help you build a better future of AppSec at your company by curating the lessons from the leaders. I'm your host, Harshal Parikh, CEO of Tromso. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Future of Application Security. Today, I have Helen Oakley as a guest on this podcast. Helen joins us as a lead architect for software supply chain security at SAP. Helen, welcome to the show. Hi, Harshal. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to talk about securing the software supply chain. As everyone can imagine, that's a very interesting topic these days, and there's a lot of activity going on in that space. So I'm glad we could actually get you on this podcast. Uh, I'm excited about this as well, Helen. Now, before we dive deeper, it would be great if you can introduce yourself to the audience just a little bit more and talk about uh, what you do today. Absolutely. So like you mentioned, I'm lead security architect at the CP for implementing the secure software supply chain. And I'm also on security global team where I'm responsible for implementing security requirements for application security and secure software development operations lifecycle. And securing the supply chain is a fundamental aspect of application and cloud security. Fantastic. So that's a pretty broad scope of uh, securing software development lifecycle, right? And especially at a large company, multinational company, it can be very resource intensive as well, very complicated. Why is software supply chain security important to your organization today? If you can summarize that, I mean, obviously superficially everyone knows, but what's a specific business driver for you all to make this a top priority? It's, of course, security, but efficiency and ability to react fast. So when we talk about securing the supply chain, often we talk about software transparency. And we need that transparency in order to know about what we have in our software and also vulnerabilities, potential vulnerabilities that we have or existing vulnerabilities and ability to react fast and patch fast. But also securing the software supply chain entails more than just software transparency. It also entails safeguards around your infrastructure, CI, CD pipelines, and processes, development processes throughout the organization. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting way to define this. And I'm always curious about how the guests on this podcast define the scope of uh, software supply chain security. Because I talk to a lot of people and there's a little bit of confusion. I mean, not confusion, I guess, but the lack of really concrete definition of what software supply chain security means. And I'd love for you to just elaborate on how do you define the scope of software supply chain security in your words? Yeah. So first of all, of course, the biggest part of it is open source software. So securing the software supply chain means we need to understand what we have, what components we use in our software. And in fact, uh, there are statistics uh, reports by Synopsys just recently that they identified about 97% of all our software contains open source. So that means that we need to pay more attention and really understand what we have. So that's one of the definitions, open source software. Also, that contains third-party commercial software, but also vendor third-party services and partners that integrate perhaps with 
the systems that we're operating as a software vendor, for example, here. And another aspect is uh, safeguards around CI/CD pipelines. That means that we need to threat model our CI/CD pipelines, assess the risks, identify those threats, and implement safeguards throughout. That would be during deployment, identifying the integrity of the software before and after deployment, as an example, right? But also processes around consuming the open source, because having an ability to identify vulnerability is one thing, but being able to consume software, open source software in a secure manner is a next level of safeguarding. Right, right. So if I understand correctly, obviously a lot of it is the issues or security concerns coming from upstream open source things, but also how you actually build software. So your CICD systems, your processes of building the software and deploying it. For companies that are distributing software to their end customers, not necessarily open source, but also commercial software, would you consider that also as a part of the overall end-to-end supply chain security? Absolutely. Companies that distribute software also need their own transparency, not just providing the transparency to their consumers, to their customers, but also understanding what they have in their systems. It means the software that they develop, but also the software that they consume, because the whole B2B ecosystem is large and there is somebody somewhere consumed by somebody, right? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, it's not a lot of conversations are going on around if you're a distributor of software, if you're shipping software that's deployed by your customers on premise or is deployed on you know millions of laptops or endpoints or IoT devices or what have you, as a producer of that software, what are the things that you can do to enable those safeguards so your consumers can effectively get more confidence in the integrity and the supply chain security of this? Are there forums that are generating that guidance? Are there places where a producer of software can go and get some guidance around that? Yes, uh, with the executive order in US, uh, there are several forums that are have been initiated and several updates to guidance like NIST have been initiated to support that order. And the forum that I'm participating in is by CISA, government agency of US and um you can find that information at cisa.gov slash SBOM. And this forum dedicated to discussions around the role of SBOM in securing the software supply chain and different aspects of it that we need to consider. So that's definitely a great forum to go to if you're interested to uh, learn more about developing of regulatory landscapes and industry best practices. That's fantastic. Is there a way where, you know, volunteers can get involved in some way influencing the shape or form of what comes out as a guidance? Are there community efforts by the forum? Yeah, so there are multiple work streams in that forum and each work stream focuses on different things. For example, there is a work stream of um, SBOM cloud exchange and work stream for tooling and adoption. And how it works is that private sector and public sector so different businesses and companies and organizations are joining that forum, sharing their experience, concerns, ideas, and collectively, we develop um, further guidance and best practices that will be used by the community. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How do you summarize the current state of adoption? Because there's there's obviously been a lot of conversations and a, and a lot of the software security vendors have been talking about software supply chain security. There's a lot of new companies that are being built around it. 
But when you when you talk to your other peers in the security industry, what's the current state of adoption of some of these frameworks or controls across software supply chain? There is definitely a heavier adoption around medical devices, for example, some manufacturing, because there are specific regulations that came out that they absolutely must have certain controls in place, including providing an SBOM. And you can see how those industries already moving ahead with certain steps, while other industries that don't have a very specific demand to do something specific as providing an SBOM, for example, a little bit lagging behind and learning more about the process or just perhaps implementing that internally until it's ready to be consumed by many. And the challenge, of course, is the exchange of things like SBOM. And, and what do we do with SBOMs? How do we manage? How do we operationalize SBOMs, right? That's a, a part of the discussion of the CISA forums to enable industries to do that and uh, provide help uh, and guidance for them. Right, right. I had a gentleman as a guest on the podcast earlier and he was deeply involved in the Cyclone DX definition as well. And we talked about the exact same thing. Like, how do you make sure the mechanisms to exchange this information about SBOM is easy between organizations? And what do you do with it, right? So that, I believe that still needs a little bit of an evolution in terms of what do you actually do with all of this data? Any thoughts around how this is going to evolve over a period of time? Like, if you could look into the crystal ball, what will this evolve into in the future? Well, that's an interesting question. Always the predictions, right? <laughs> yeah. It makes for a great uh, PR clips. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I definitely see with the growth of digitally connected devices like IoT and IoT, yeah, that there are a lot of benefits with analytics and AI and efficiency and even the improved quality of life that we can see around the further technology that we see. But that also means we have bigger risks, right? So we see the evolving attacks, more accelerated attacks around supply chain because malicious actors do see how effective and efficient those attacks can be, right? Mm -hmm. So we will definitely see that evolvement of uh, the attack surface around that. Regarding regulatory, as I mentioned, there is um, U.S. executive order that um, has been out and certain guidances have been released. But we also see other countries still working on similar regulations like Euro Union. They have already a proposal for Cyber Resiliency Act, which very specifically spells out supply chain and the ability of providing as bonds, right? So... We will see how regulations are evolving. And um, I also expect that uh, certification bodies will pick up on checking and incorporating the supply chain and security into their scope. Yeah, so bottom line, if you look at the prediction, the risks are so high with uh, software supply chain that can even evolve uh, risk to human well-being, to human life. Because if you're talking about IoT, OT, that's uh, where we can see a direct interaction with humans, right? But also critical infrastructure and so on. So with that, we cannot ignore this risk anymore. And we'll see the further maturity of industry where it will be already not as good to have, but an, as an expected uh, capability to provide transparency into the software and provide more security, maturing their security around supply chains. Yeah. 
No, so a couple of things that I picked up from what you just mentioned is a lot of different governments are moving towards regulating this space, pushing out more requirements, right? So that's that's one of the drivers. And there are certain industries or verticals, IoT, OT, medical devices, and critical infrastructure that are potentially the first movers within this space in adoption of these things, obviously because of the implications. When you look at the outside of those verticals, do you see any other drivers? Like typically either, you know, a breach happens or something really bad happens within the industry and that and then people start picking up some of those things, or it's a regulations compliance requirements coming in and asking organizations to follow these practices. So when you think about the rest of the industry in terms of adopting more software supply chain security controls or getting more maturity towards that. Do you think it will be some sort of an event or regulations will start coming in, which will drive adoption? Or you think just as an industry will start picking up more of these just as a way to build better software? Any thoughts around what the drivers will be for this? I would say we already have drivers. One is the Log4j, right? That was a huge wake-up call. And there's something like that we can expect in future happen again. At same scale or not, we don't know. But uh, we are not immune to that. And of course, uh, the regulation is another driver because if industry is not moving fast enough to provide necessary security controls, then government will have to pick up and enforce certain controls by industry to be done. So I think um, we already see the initiatives and we see already drivers and definitely it will only evolve furthermore, new risks, new attacks, right? And further hardening around regulations. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are certain types of misconceptions around software supply chain security. You know, it's um, a lot of attacks that are going on that are not, uh, and we were talking about this earlier, you mentioned there's there's certain types of categories of attacks that are not necessarily perceived as supply chain security, but they are either emanating from it or have implications to software supply chain security. It would be great if you can shed some light on what your thinking is on that topic. Like, what are those types of things that you're seeing in the industry? Yeah, so first of all, I, I wanted to mention around misconceptions in general term around supply chain security. There is a lot of talks about S-bomb, which is sort of bill of material. And as a general misconception is that this is the silver bullet that will solve all the problems when I have to point out a very important thing that SBOM is very fundamental to securing the software supply chain, but there's much more that has to be done on top of that in order to operationalize those SBOMs and introduce safeguards. So that's one misconception I wanted to break out there. But in terms of attacks, we know SolarWinds as supply chain attack. We know perhaps uh, Log4j, right, uh, vulnerability as further attack supply chain. But there are several other types that are perceived to, as not necessary supply chain attacks by media, but they do have those methods. And that's what I wanted to point out, that supply chain attack methods can be involved in multiple other ones, like ransomware, right, Casea or data theft. And the recent one example with LastPass, this one is very interesting. It's a data breach incident, right? But it involved method for stealing DevOps engineer credentials, right, to gain access to LastPass crown jewels. But how? That's where the interesting part comes in. That a malicious payload was actually delivered to engineers' personal computers through 
trusted software, which in this case was Media Player Update. And the vulnerable open source in that media player contained a payload that deployed Keylogger on the personal computer of engineer, stealing the credentials and gaining access to the LastPass infrastructure. And it was specifically difficult for LastPass to identify that because, of course, the login was done by valid credentials by seems like a valid purpose, right? Because that was one of the few people who had very high privileges within LastPass infrastructure. But that's kind of opens our eyes that we need to be aware of different vectors where supply chain attack methods can be used to gain certain result that malicious attacker are trying to achieve. Right. So it definitely is not as straightforward, obviously, as bomb is not the solution to everything. It's a vast majority of the conversation that's happening. It's a very new initiative in most companies addressing SBOMs and meeting government regulations as well. But there's much more complexity around this. Now, in terms of, you know, if you were to give some advice to people who are just starting initiatives around securing their software supply chain, let's take the example of a producer, somebody who's building software within their organization. What advice would you give them if they're just embarking on this journey, thinking about software supply chain security? So definitely for those who are beginning, and I'd like to the producers or suppliers aspect and also the consumers aspect, because we also have both parts and one of them can be both as well, right? So if you're talking about the producers or suppliers, so my advice would be to automate SBOM generation in machine-readable format uh, that is being established in industry, which is CycloneDX or SPDX, right? And improve quality in terms of the content of SBOM and going further integrate with vulnerability exploitability exchange VAX and CSAF, right? Common uh, security advisory framework. So that SBOM integration can be operationalized in vulnerability management process. So in that way, suppliers can build trust with their customers by building this vulnerability disclosure program with that implementation that can be continuously running and automated, right? Additionally, for suppliers, providing S-bombs and uh, declaring vulnerabilities is not everything. I wanted to mention that suppliers or producers of the software also need their internal transparency. And that means that they need to be able to consume their own S-bombs and create that transparency for themselves to be able to react fast and in an efficient way. Right. But that's not all. Right. As I mentioned, securing the supply chain is beyond software transparency. And this is where I want to also advise to start thinking or already not just start thinking, but actually start acting on implementing safeguards around infrastructure and CICD pipelines. Do the threat modeling assessment. What are the risks in your infrastructure and CICD pipelines and processes? Right. And prioritize that and start implementing that rather soon. That's awesome. That's a very good advice to threat model it before actually embarking on a lot of the technical implementation things, right? Because your business might not have the risks that are being talked about publicly. Everyone else might be working on something, but it's really important to understand your threat model in your environmental context before diving down deeper into this. In terms of a consumer of software, let's say you know, you're know you buying software from a third-party vendor. 
are there specific things that are easy to do so so you can hand off those types of you know validation of controls to a non-technical team like a procurement team or a legal team or somebody who can basically validate at a very high level that your supplier is meeting certain standards and requirements I would recommend, first of all, to have a, a basic uh, risk assessment for your procurement process and vendor process, right? Partnerships and so on. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about doing it at scale, I would say that consumers need to be ready to consume a lot of S-bombs, right? Across their software that they have in their ecosystem, in their infrastructure. And that means that they need to understand what to do with those S-bombs, right? Of course, for non-technical people, no one will actually sit down and read them manually. So you need to have some sort of a tool that will consume that data and represent it in a human readable format that you can actually have some analytics around S-bombs and understand what that data means, like reduce the noise, right? Create processes around what to do with it, right? How would you react on it? How would you go with the patching and vulnerability management around that? So start thinking already about methods and processes, how to implement this S-bomb consumption in your organization as a consumer. Right. Does such a system exist today? I mean, there are several tools already in the market that helps with managing S-bombs and representing data. You just need to do some research and identify what fits best your business. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. So let's say hypothetically that there is an organization who starts doing that, who starts consolidating S-bombs from their software suppliers into a single system, system or bracket. They have all of that information accessible. The reason to do that is, you know, if there's a new issue like Log4j that comes up, then you're ready to respond. You know exactly which suppliers you need to track and who to coordinate the response with, correct? Well, I cannot speak on behalf of all the systems, right? But I can point to some key aspects that a supplier should look, and not just suppliers, but consumers, both of them should look at these management systems. That would be, first of all, being able to identify all affected products or components or software in your system for that vulnerable library. So let's say Log4j, yeah? So you should be able to see everything that is affected in your infrastructure by that component, and you should be able to find who is responsible and uh, address the issue, right? Another thing is a very good point to have is ability to understand if there are newer libraries available, right? Especially if you are a producer of the software and you need to be on top of the upgrade of the libraries that you include in the software incorporate, then it's very important to also have ability to know where is the library, if it's new version available or not, should you pick it up or not. Another aspect is very beneficial to also incorporate into those systems is the licensing aspect. You know, what are the, how the licenses affected? Is there any specific policy that you want to implement for your organization and use that against the data, correlate that data with the SBOM data and kind of have it working together? And of course, uh, vulnerability management, integration and um, enrichment of data across different advisories that are out there. That's awesome. That makes sense. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of work to be done within this space for adoption of these best practices. 
I'm pretty sure there will be more and more industry adoption and more easier systems, more coordinated systems and processes. Once there's more standardization or adoption of these standards, that's fascinating. Are there any specific things that, that you're excited about in the world of software security in general, maybe even beyond supply chain, software supply chain security? What are you excited about? Well, actually, I've learned recently from our CISA forum as Bomarama that took place in June this month. There is um, a concept that in works for um, SBOM for AI training models and data that is being trained. I think it's very interesting because we have lack of transparency in that. So one thing we're talking about what libraries we use, right? But then a lot of businesses are now being powered by AI and machine learning. And we need to have the transparency of what are the training models and what data being used, right? And what risks as organization by, let's say, acquiring such solution, what risks are we taking by using this solution that has this AI capability? So I think it's a very exciting area to be part of together with, you know, supply chain security because, hey, you know, we have uh, implementing perhaps our own AI but also be reusing a lot of algorithms from open source and other vendors. That is so fascinating. I've I've always thought about that idea because everyone typically would consolidate on the same models, but then these models are trained on specific sets of data. And if you don't have visibility into what data is being used, then you're going to have to rely on whatever black magic happens in the box, right? So This is such an incredible idea. I hope to see it live in very soon in the future. Helen, thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was such a pleasure having you here. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Talk to you soon, Hashim. Thanks for listening to The Future of Application Security. If you've enjoyed this episode or you are new to the show, I'd love to have you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any episode. And if you like the podcast, I'd be grateful if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.